IMLT is a national team that investigates and prosecutes loan sharks. A loan shark is somebody who lends money without the correct authorization from the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA. The IMLT provides emotional and practical support to victims and survivors of illegal lending. We recently held a national short story competition to raise awareness of the dangers of loan sharks and we are pleased to share one of the winning entries with you today. This tale is by Mark Cowan from Stockton, who uses his experience as a teacher to create the story The Lone Ranger, about a parent struggling to buy a birthday present for his son while on a tight budget. He discusses his money worries with a man in the pub. But all my friends have got one. Can't I have one, Dad? Please. It was the look that Daniel Jima had given his father that made his request so difficult to refuse. That imploring, beseeching look. Samuel Jima imagined his son frantically, ecstatically ripping away the wrapping paper that encased the new shiny mobile phone on the morning of his birthday. It was not difficult for Samuel to conjure the image of his son's delighted face. He knew that the cost of these new gadgets was steep, but he had promised. He had given his word. Perhaps some extra shifts at the factory would cover the costs. It was six weeks until Daniel's birthday, so there was still time to save up. He could do it. He had to do this for his son. After securing extra hours, Samuel could just about pay for it. But life has a cruel habit of dashing plans, however well-intentioned. Three weeks before Daniel's birthday, the central heating, temperamental for weeks, was completely broken. The damage, both to the heating and Samuel's wallet, was extensive. But it was not an insurmountable problem. Samuel did what he always did for his son. He picked up two more extra shifts. As tired as he was, Samuel was just about in control. But his fatigue clearly had a hand in his own carelessness, which saw him caught twice and fined extensively for speeding through a town centre. He had no idea how he would pay for these new, unexpected costs. These thoughts swirled around Samuel's head as he walked into the Bucking pub. He stared into his pipe for a long time, perhaps hoping an answer lay in the smooth amber glow of the liquid. You're deep in thought, said a gravelly voice from the other end of the bar. You look like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Samuel recognised the man. He was in his seventies, his metallic grey hair swept back from his face and a walking stick by his side. He was a regular in here and a friend of Bobby Martin. He sidled along the bar, placing his pint next to Samuel's. You look like you could do with another pint. He ordered two beers from the bar, despite Samuel's protestations. An hour later, they were still sitting there. They had discussed family, football, the factory, where Jed had also coincidentally worked, and finances. Jed was a good listener. The conversation and beer had done nothing for Samuel's wallet, which was now even lighter, but they had lifted his spirits. He shook Jed by the hand and both men agreed to do this again. Samuel was turning to leave when he felt a hand upon his shoulder. Here, said Jed, thrusting a bundle of notes into Samuel's jacket pocket. This should sort out those speeding fines. 
10 crisp 20 pound notes had been bundled together. I can't take this, said Samuel, shaking his head. It's incredibly good of you to. It's not good of me. It's just a loan, replied Jed. Pay me back in a few weeks when you can. Let's meet two weeks from now, same place. I don't need the money any sooner than that. Discomforted and grateful in equal measure, Samuel walks home, relieved that at least in the short term, his money worries had been temporarily resolved. Two weeks later, Samuel walked into the Buck Inn, 200 pounds nestled in his right palm. He was proud that he could settle this debt. There was no need for any more expensive outlays until Christmas, which was still three months away. Jed methodically counted out the money that had been passed to him note by note. He stopped at the last note and shot a quizzical look in Samuel's direction. Two hundred, he asked, his forehead crumpled into a scowl. That's what you lent me. It was two hundred pounds. I know that, said Jed impatiently, as though addressing a small child. But I'm guessing you've heard of interest, Samuel. I was expecting three hundred. Are you keeping the other hundred to one side, hoping I won't ask for it? This was so sudden and so unexpected that Samuel was completely disarmed. I, I didn't realise, he spluttered. I, I thought I would... Thought what? interrupted Jed. That you'd take advantage of an old man. No, I, I'd misunderstood. You've got the two hundred there. Let's agree that I'll bring the other hundred this time next week. Then we can call it quits. Fine said Jed sharply, turning his back. Next week it is. Samuel felt conned and duped as he left the bar, but Jed was old and probably needed the money. Once the debt was paid the following week, he would avoid him and not come in here again. When Samuel walked into the buck inn the following week, the atmosphere was different. Jed was flanked on either side by two large men, who he introduced as his sons. Extra shifts had been hard to come by for Samuel. He had an extra £50 for Jed, which he reasoned would be enough. But this was not the case. £50? But we agreed £100. You're not being very appreciative, Samuel, is he, boys? The two men shook their heads. It will need to be 100 more next week, said Jed unless you need Mr. Nastasi to know how you are treating his friends. Samuel gulped. Mr. Nastasi was his boss. He didn't need him to know about this. Samuel didn't have a fixed contract and could be released from his job at the drop of a hat. The next week was challenging. Samuel was ill with food poisoning and there was no prospect of earning this extra money. He decided to stay away from the pub. Perhaps they would forget about it and leave him alone. When the doorbell sounded repeatedly at 10 o'clock that evening, Samuel had no intention of answering it. At the sound of splintering wood, he concluded that he had little choice. You're running up some serious costs, Samuel, announced Jed, again flanked by his sons. What we'll do is take your car. Once you've paid off the money next week, you can have the car back. Then maybe you can get your door fixed, he added, pointing at the hole that had been created. As Samuel opened his mouth to protest, 
a gloved hand reached upwards and held him by the throat. It took no further persuasion for the keys to be handed over. A week later, Samuel had still not secured the money. He concluded that there was only one thing for it. He walked upstairs and opened the door to his son's bedroom. Daniel, I'm afraid I'm going to have to take your mobile phone, announced Samuel, lifting it from his bedside table. But that was your present to me, exclaimed Daniel. You promised me. Samuel Jimo, with the phone in his right palm, walked out of the house and onto the street. These problems had all begun with a mobile phone, and this was where it needed to end. He punched a telephone number into Daniel's mobile phone. He connected to the organisation that dealt with loan sharks. Jed and his sons were preying on the vulnerable. They were violent, threatening, illegal moneylenders, and they had to be stopped. Loan sharks may seem friendly at first, but borrowing from them is never a good idea, as they often resort to intimidation, threats or violence. They may threaten to tell others about the unpaid debts and make you feel isolated. Don't suffer in silence. We urge anyone who has been affected by illegal money lending or who has concerns that a friend or loved one may be involved with a loan shark to contact the illegal money lending team on 0300 555 2222 or visit www.stoploansharks.co.uk Live chat is available on the website from 9am to 5pm Monday to Friday.